Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How is everyone doing tonight? I hope we are all doing well today, whether on uh, this side of the screen or that side of the screen. That's right, I'm talking about you, America. Hope you guys are doing well on this uh, Thursday, August 4th, 2022. And welcome to another edition of The Sea Report. I am your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Gossett, as per the usual. And, uh, well, it's uh, that time of the evening again, ladies and gentlemen. We've got another uh, jam-packed show for you all today. I'm sure you all will find uh, uh, somewhat informative and uh, maybe slightly entertaining also. Uh, so welcome on in, welcome on in. We are live today over at the foxhole.app, at pill.net, at clouthub, at trovo, at rumble, and at twitch. Yes, it's true, ladies and gentlemen. It is true. Uh, we got suspended over at YouTube. Man, it took us all but, what, three days to get suspended over at YouTube. Uh, I think that's actually a new record for the C-Report and Mr. C-TV. Uh, came across the bad news today. Well, you know, is it really bad news? You know, I knew I was playing with fire, ladies and gentlemen, and, uh, well, to be frank... I don't mind, you know, getting burned every now and then. Uh, but it was, it was, it was, uh, it was actually my bad, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, someone sitting on the other side of the screen over at the Suzanne Tube headquarters probably was like, that's your bad, Mr. C. Well, no, it was my bad, but they're like, it's because you were talking about election integrity, Mr. C. And I'm like, no, it was my bad. And they're like, it's because you were talking about COVID-19, Mr. C. And I'm like, no, it was literally my bad. I had this entire strategy laid out before me, and all I had to do was follow through, ladies and gentlemen, but last night I was in quite the rush, actually, to hop on over uh, to uh, my third show for the day, and that was over at the Speak Uneasy's um, lounge, or the Speak Uneasy's channel for um, the Wednesday night show that we do called This Is News. Now, you know, that show, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, we, we read some headlines, we read some articles, uh, but they're more of the kind of stories that, uh, while they might be absolutely um, expected for the times that we live in, if uh, you were to take it back to when, you know, say I was a child or when, you know, the bartender was a child, the bartender, of course, being the speak uneasy, uh, these were things that were unheard of. You know, I've, I've often said to him, I never imagined in my life I would be living in a world where we have to fight to protect our children from, you know, uh, literature that is pornographic or from teachers that are possibly going to molest them and Lord knows what else they're going to do to them and uh, that we'd have to litigate and pass laws and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, they're just kind of the stories that uh, when you read the headlines, you know, like uh, uh, what was another recent headline? It wasn't necessarily dealing with children, but it was something like uh, U.S. Navy hosts drag queens at their 
their Ilgibity Qua Day event or something like that. And uh, uh, they have kids who are stuffing, uh, you know, uh, dollar bills down their uh, uh, prosthetic breasts or bras or whatever. And it's like, wait, what? Well, what? This is news? Really? Like, what? what are they talking about? What world am I living in where, uh, you know, Disney World wants to, like, uh, you know, make every single character gay and then, yeah, hopefully uh, chop off all the genitalia of their audiences. Like, what world am I living in, ladies and gentlemen? I just gotta say. So, yeah, that's kind of the show that it is. Uh, you know, of course, we did have some other non-sexually and non-child-related stories. And trust me, guys, we're living in a day and age where we can actually say that we have stories that have both the word sexual and child in the headlines. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, uh, you know, we had some other stories last night, like uh, uh, take, for example, the state of California, specifically in the city of Los Angeles, is now going to be um, using uh, recycled wastewater to, um, to quench the thirsts and satiate the needs of every human in that city. That's crazy, right? I mean, to me, that's crazy. That's Probably a story that I would not run here at the Sea Report unless I was just starving for information to share with you guys. But we got a lot of other things that we can talk about besides recycled wastewater and uh, how we'll be drinking that for the rest of our lives if we live in the city of Los Angeles. But yeah, those are the kind of stories that you can expect over at This Is News. Uh, if you missed last night's episode, I uh, encourage you to hop on over to the Speak Uneasy's channel over here at uh, thefoxhole.app or pills.net and give it a view, see what you think about it. Uh, show is, uh, much more casual. You know, I don't come out. My face does not show ladies and gentlemen. So trust and believe I am just totally relaxed and, uh, casual on the other side of the screen where you guys can't see me, you know, uh, there's this, what, there was this running joke, right? About, uh, content creators and hosts that, um, well, you know, they're, they're very presentable from the waist up, right? Not, not that any of them are doing anything like a Lubin Tubin event, but, uh, <laughs> I might be in my jammy jams. I might be in my, uh, I don't know. I just might just, I might just be ladies and gentlemen, but it's a fun show. We have a good time there, you know, and, uh, we, uh, get to kind of just like, or at least I know I do take a load off of all of the serious type stories and uh, reporting and, uh, you know, the things that we talk about here at the Sea Report. But, you know, that's not to say that the stories and the topics that we go through here at the Sea Report are stressing or they are, you know, depressing. You know, actually, no, I, I, I relish, you know, the information. I, uh, I quite enjoy being able to access all of that because, you know, we get to be informed. And you know what they say, an informed citizen uh, will usually make the correct decision, whatever decision that might happen to be. That is the power of information. That is the power of knowledge, right? That is half the battle, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the other half, I guess, would uh, take um, initiative and follow through, maybe. Yep. Uh, <laughs> motivation. <laughs> oh, and those, those, are, those are actually the, uh, the tougher parts of the battle, I'd say. I'd say... I'd say the knowledge is the downhill and the uh, motivation and the follow through is the uphill, right? At least for some of us it is. But anyways, guys, so uh, I was in a rush to get over to This Is News last night because I miscalculated the time on some of the videos that I showed in last night's Sea Report. As some of you all might know, you were in the audience with us last night. Gave myself a bold five minutes to get everything set up and go. 
uh, thank goodness for the graces of the bartender over at the Speak Uneasy's Lounge because <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get here this late. He was like, don't worry about it. Get yourself a drink uh, <laughs> on me. <laughs> so anyways, uh, it was a good time. But it, it, when that happened, guys, I totally forgot to follow through on my strategy to like infiltrate YouTube. And uh, that required um, deleting the live stream as soon as we were done. And then, you know, the night just took itself away from there. And uh, I wake up today and I have a big old violation over at YouTube. So I guess I will not be streaming live over at that channel for the next 90 days. Good job, Mr. C. <laughs> Way to follow through. But anyways, it's not like anyone's over there watching uh, anything at YouTube these days. I mean, Rumble's getting pretty hot, you know, and there are so many other options that are popping up. In fact, I haven't even told you guys about that other network that I was getting on. Uh, partly the reason being because um, I'm not 100% satisfied with the way I've had my channel set up. I mean, I've got a lot of content that I can post over there in addition to the live shows that are coming up every day, just about. Uh, but then also the uh, network itself. I will call it a network for now. Um, I, I wouldn't say that's necessarily what it is. It's more like it's more like a channel or... It's its its own platform type of thing. Uh, but uh, I need to hop back on there and see where they are with the development of it because uh, there are certain aspects of it that I just... You know, I don't want to broadcast... And uh, to promote it, uh, if it's not ready yet, because then that'll kind of look bad, you know? I mean, it's not like it's in beta, uh, but if not everything is ready and I start sending the audiences over there just to check it out, I don't want it to leave like a bad taste in their mouth and then they never go back, right? Uh, but the way it is developing, I will say it looks pretty exciting. Uh, I wouldn't say it's going to be competition for anything like, uh, like for example, like Rumble or like the Foxhold app. Uh, it, it wouldn't be competition for them yet, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but the way that the platform is geared, uh, once I guess, once I guess the technical aspects of the world revolving around like the internet maybe the quantum internet really gets kicking off, uh, I think then it will definitely, uh, it will definitely give a lot of people the run for their money. If they're counting the money, I should say some people don't do this for the love of money, right? Some people just do it for the love of doing it, you know? Uh, but it, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty neat once it is nice and smooth and running and it's, you know, it's, it's well oiled and it's good to go. It has a lot of features on it, you know, uh, uh, there are a lot of things you'll be able to do. Like if you are a content creator, for example, uh, you will be able to, uh, if you choose to monetize certain aspects of your channel, and uh, there is absolutely no way that any type of uh, uh, establishment baking system could cut you off, uh, thereby preventing them from censoring you and demonetizing you. So it's going to be really cool once it gets going. Ladies and gentlemen, you know, you know, like how PayPal will demonetize you and, uh, you know, Cash App will demonetize you. I'm fortunate that I have not been demonetized, but that's just because, you know what, I'm not a threat, as it were. And I'm I'm absolutely fine not being a threat, ladies and gentlemen. 
Uh, as one of my viewers once said, you know, it might be a humble audience, Mr. C, but we hear what you're saying. And then we share that with people that we know. And it just, uh, you know, it becomes exponential. So, you know what? We'll keep it like that. Let's keep it with like a five row audience, ladies and gentlemen, all nice and squished together and comfortable where we can all share our snacks and we can all have our laughs and we can all get informed about some stories with some perspective that you might not hear anywhere else. Uh, so anyways, guys, that is my story for uh, my what my fifth my fifth uh, my fifth merit badge. <laughs> well, the channel's not banned. It's just violated. So I guess I haven't quite earned that badge of honor from YouTube. It'd be like number five or something like that. But uh, yeah, YouTube, Facebook, they're the ones that uh, that censored me, kicked me off. You know, I I, I still uh, I'm over there in some, you know, desert land of uh, wasteland at Twitter. You, cause we ha I have a C report um, channel or account over at Twitter, but I guess you would have to use it to actually, you know, provoke them. So, well, I'm not very much for using Twitter anyways, but with Truth Social, I am most definitely uh, more active on Truth Social than I have ever been on any, <laughs> count them, any a social media platform with maybe the exception of MySpace, but uh, those were my college days, ladies and gentlemen, and I was all about being unique and an individual and uh, letting people know exactly how special I am. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is what you call facetious, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but you know, hey, uh, you guys, if you have a Truth Social account, uh, make sure you check out my page and uh, follow um, my handle over at Truth Social is MRCTV underscore, okay? Don't forget the underscore. It's going to take you somewhere you don't want to go, guys. And there is a vicious bulldog at that door. And I'm just telling you, you don't want to go there. You might want to report that page, MRCTV. But if you go to MRCTV underscore, you'll get a hold of my Truth Social account, uh, was having a little bit of fun there today at my Truth Social account, actually there and at my Gab account. Uh, Gab, I'm a little bit less regular on, but I still do pepper the field with some of my posts there every now and then. And uh, well, my Gab account is MR underscore CTV. You know, if I had it my way, whenever, uh, you know, Truth Social decided to steal my handle away from me and give it to someone else, it would have been MR underscore CTV. That makes sense. But I don't know about this MRCTV underscore. I mean, how many people actually see that underscore? You know, can you guys see the underscore? Would you guys remember the underscore? Do you promise? <laughs> anyways, anyways, having fun over at Truth Social today. I don't know if any of you all heard. Actually, if you follow my Truth Social, you might have heard. And you were on the, uh, if you were on the app today, and don't forget, guys, don't forget, you don't have to have an iPhone or an i-anything to get a Truth Social account these days. They have a functional, a highly functional website version of it where you can just hop on your local uh, www and uh, you can access Truth Social there as well and you can stay abreast with all of the goings on at Truth Social. And, you know, if you're over at the foxhole.app or pill.net, and you don't have an I anything, uh, you could um, save the Truth Social website app to your phone home screen 
much like you save your foxhole.app or pill.net um, uh, app. Well, I want to say app, you know, but I guess if it's on a website, it's not necessarily an app. But uh, yeah, so, uh, well, there you go. I'm just giving you a quick little tip there. If you want to stay in the know and if you want to be part of a growing and very colorful community over there at Truth Social. Um, it's very interesting. I was kind of, I wasn't really getting into it with someone today. I mean, I'm pretty good at, um, I'm pretty good at ending those types of confrontations, or I should say those types of discussions where someone's just, you know, spilling out that negative stuff at you. They're just, uh, they're not happy with something that you had to say. And, uh, you guys know I do tend to say things at times that kind of rub people the wrong way, but I don't do it with the malicious intent, uh, nor ego-driven. I could care less whether or not I'm right or wrong in their eyes. But um, uh, what was what was it that I did today? I had put I actually put a poll up today. I did my first poll over at Truth Social, and the poll the question was, uh, do you think? that the Republican Party will uh, kick President Trump out of the party or ban him from running in the 2024 presidential election. And then, of course, in parentheses, I put, that's what they want, okay? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it must have been everyone from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that read that post. (laughs) Uh, They all disagreed with it. They were like, nope, nope. The Republican Party would never do that to Trump. The Republican Party loves Trump. The Republican Party supports Trump 100%. The Republican Party adores Trump and they want him to be the president again. It's kind of the assessment that I got from uh, the answers I was receiving. And I see you there, Tim Bajet said, I voted in your poll. I have not, uh, I, I don't know what you, uh, I don't know what you might have uh, cast a vote for there, Tim Bajet. I could guess. <laughs> but... But, ladies and gentlemen, uh, be safe on the way to the store, sir. Um, but uh, <laughs> I got to say, uh, one of them was like, your poor mother, God rest her soul. All she ever wanted in life was for you to do something meaningful. And uh, what was the other thing that they said? To, to make an honest living? I was like, do you think I make a living off of what I'm doing here? Because <laughs> if you do, well, by gosh and by golly, <laughs> you have a lot more faith in me than I do. Uh, it's a joke. It's a joke. But uh, yeah, I was like, I was like, leave my mama out of this, please. Well, that was not my first response. My first response was, my mama ain't poor. <laughs> what are you talking about? You silly goat. Uh, but yeah, then, then after that, you know, uh, she, she went on to talk a little bit more about my mama and I had to put her in her place. And I simply said, Hey, 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 leave my mama out of this. I don't think she would appreciate you feeling for her. Okay. So anyways, you know, I mean, that is kind of a topic of conversation. Really what I was, um, going on whenever I, uh, I, um, posted that poll, uh, is I was thinking about the January 6th unselect committee. Okay. And, um, a, a coupling that with the fact that you had what the RNC telling president Trump, we're not going to pay your legal bills if you run for president in 2024. And I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking to this, uh, individual, I don't know if it was a man or a woman. It sounded like a Karen, but uh, again, this is a faceless, ambiguous, avatar, ladies and gentlemen. It was like um, seashells by the seashore at Truth Social or something like that. And I was just like, um, 
Obviously, you didn't hear the RNC story. Obviously, you didn't donate any money that they stole to uh, save the elections and then spent it on God knows what, you know. Obviously, ladies and gentlemen, uh, well, actually, obviously, uh, seashells by the seashore at Truth Social. Obviously, you're not aware of the fact that none of the representatives, except for maybe two or three or four or five, have actually said anything about election integrity. Do you really think that these people are backing up President Trump? Do you really think that these people want President Trump to run for president in 2024? Um, they're in a very precarious spot, ladies and gentlemen, because they need him to raise the money, but they don't want him because he is just ruining their party. You know, they've had adrenochrome parties for God knows how many decades, and then President Trump comes for four years and, uh, well, the adrenochrome clouds dried up. So uh, they need him to go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, they can't function the way they're used to functioning. President Trump um, woke up too many um, um, patriots, right? He woke up too many Americans. He woke up too many people who were asleep. And he woke up too many patriots. He is very dangerous to them. But in regard to uh, this seashells by the seashore uh, account that was talking about my mama because they were so displeased with the fact that I dare ask a question like that, uh, it just made me think that, you know, cognitive dissonance is real and we all know it's real. But it is also real for patriots, ladies and gentlemen, because they know somewhere in the back of their mind that this Republican Party has always been establishment, okay? And that these two parties were formed in order to trick the American people into remaining divided and fighting with each other so that they would not unify against the establishment that is controlling the government, right? That's keeping us as a crown colony, so to speak. And uh, I was like, well, maybe this person just uh, came to in the last couple of years and they, they, they were awakened during the uh, rise and the uh, apparent fall of President Trump. And they think that the Republican Party really is a thing, ladies and gentlemen. But if we can search back into the recesses of our mind, we might remember people like President W. Bush. Uh, how about uh, President uh, Pedo Bush, right? We're talking about uh, Herbert Walker, you know, and the likes, you know, and, and, and there are plenty of more examples of what the Republican Party represented to awake Americans well before Donald Trump. And uh, if we even think about the Republican Party during the Clinton years or the Obama years, you know, and I was waking up during the W years, ladies and gentlemen. So I've been I've uh, not that I'm counting the years, but, you know, I've been in I've been involved in, in the game, so to speak, for a minute. And uh, I do have that uh, a memory of all of the experiences and all of the time and all of the emotions and all of the disappointments and all of the feuds and, uh, and some of the small victories up until President Trump was elected that we had as, um, as, a, as, as patriotic Americans, you know? I mean, I am a registered Republican, ladies and gentlemen, you know, so it's not that, uh, it's not that I hate and or despise what the party symbolically means or what it could be, or if you want to put it this way, what President Trump was bringing it back to being. He was restoring the Republican Party, 
But you know, that might not even be accurate if you think about it. If the Republican Party and the Democrat Party, and they originally started as a single party, they were the Democratic Republican Party, and then they split and then they divided into the left and the right, into the red and the blue, into the right wing and the left wing. And then they divided America. Is it, is, it, um, is it accurate to say that President Trump was restoring a party that was never in the side of the people to begin with? Uh, maybe reforming the party to be what they said that they were, a party of uh, rule of law, a party of the people, right? A party that respects the Constitution, that loves freedom and liberty. Um, it could very well be, I guess, maybe reforming the Republican Party would be a better um, way of expressing what President Trump was doing in his four years in office, optically speaking. Uh, that's that's all about I could assess honestly in that regard. I guess it would it would be inaccurate to say that he was restoring the Republican Party, but he was he was definitely creating it into something that it could have been great. And indeed, I guess it still could if President Trump gets back into office and if we get rid of every single politician who's sitting right now. And um, you guys shouldn't fret none when I say things like that. You, you guys shouldn't fret none when I say get rid of all of them. Get rid of every single one of them. Because anyways, they're all sitting there unlawfully to begin with, right? Uh, we have not had a certified or accredited machine since 2017 or 18. Uh, so that means the uh, elections of 18 and 20, they're all null and void, okay? 2020, null and void. So even though we have Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, even though we have, uh, you know, um, other representatives and a, a couple of senators that are actually standing up for America first, that are actually, uh, you know, reflecting the will of their constituents, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get tense and I wouldn't get anxious when someone like Mr. C says, Get rid of all of them. Just fire them all, even the good ones. And you know why I say you shouldn't get tense? Because if they were good, they will get reelected. And you guys know that. You feel it in your heart, right? You know if they are genuinely good, they will get reelected. Because let's face it, if we're being absolutely honest, and I've said this several times here before on the show, uh, at least 95, 96%... 97%, and that's being conservative, mind you, they all serve themselves and they serve their masters. They serve the swamp. They serve the globalist uh, deep state interests. Uh, they are all rhinos. They are all rhinos. And I dare say most of them knew exactly what they were getting into before they even ran for office, okay? And then you get those, uh, you get those um, weird phenomenons, right? That come out of nowhere, right? Like your uh, Madison Cawthorns and stuff like that. Um, your, your Carrie Lakes, you know, where it's like, wow, these are people who are running because they understand that the entire party is a sham, okay? So, you know, and that's not to cause divisiveness either because let's face it, guys, at the end of the day, we are all Americans, regardless of what party we're in. And another fact that I've been like playing with in my mind is that say we did not have the factor of rigged and stolen elections, but just the way that we run our electoral process in this nation, just the, the bare bones, the way it's written, you know, the procedures, etc., how it's done. Um, 
We could have elections today and they would be exactly the same as they have been without political parties. So why do we need political parties, ladies and gentlemen? All they do is divide and just eat up our money and consume our energy. And uh, there's really no point to having a political party. You know, you could have the candidate that uh, stands for this, and that's why I'm going to vote for that candidate. You don't have to place the label of Republican or progressive or Democrat on them. You could just say, well, you know what? I like because they like this and this and this. And check your list off, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. The way we run our elections in this nation, procedurally speaking, we do not require a political party to run it that way. And so I would submit to you all that we do not need these political parties. They're parasites, the political parties are. They're parasites. And not only do they feed off the goodwill of the people, they also feed off the energy of well-meaning representatives and senators, elected officials, um, because uh, they're going to they're gonna bleed them dry or they're going to coerce them into going a way that they don't want to go. Um, because of uh, what, whatever it is that they might uh, be holding in front of them, whether that's uh, money, uh, whether that's a threat, whether it's they're under duress. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what motivates uh, I mean, many things motivate many people different ways, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, yeah, it takes a certain type of character to be able to um, hold their feet to the fire and not get burnt, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, I guess that topic is kind of neither here nor there for the rest of tonight's discussion. It's just uh Something I was thinking about um, as I was uh, going throughout my day, getting the report ready for this afternoon, uh, just hopping on, uh, you know, the social apps. You know, also today, August 4th, um, is, uh, is the, um, the People's Self-Declared National Trump Day, okay? It, it wasn't my idea, actually. Um, and uh, National Trump Day, right? So you guys might have seen hashtag National Trump Day if you were on any of the socials. Uh, they were encouraging patriots on all social media platforms from Twitter to Instagram to Facebook to Truth Social to Gab to whatever you're on uh, to use that hashtag to show some love for President Trump. Now, someone might be wondering, why would we choose August 4th? as National Trump Day. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, funny story about that, actually. Um, uh, today is also President Barack Obama's birthday. So, you know, it, it was kind of like, I was like, you know what? I, I can get in on this. I can get in on this. Uh, we're going to show love and respect for our president. We're going to have a self-declared People's National Trump Day. And we're going to rub it in the face of Lil Barry, right? And, uh, and see, if, uh, see if Big Mike is not there to offer him a manly shoulder to cry on, ladies and gentlemen. When, it, when instead of getting happy birthday, Barack Obama, he's seeing nothing but a slew, an onslaught um, of, uh, of uh, President Trump Day posts in his name. Uh, there was another hashtag associated with that that was impeach44. So I thought that was quite fun. Uh, uh, idea came from over at Tory Says. And uh, I, I mean, I liked it. You know, I, I don't often uh, get involved with, um, you know, just doing things like that. Uh, jumping on the bandwagon, bandwagon as it were, uh, with, uh, you know, various ideas and thoughts and stuff like that. I, I, it was fun. I, I just... Uh, 
I think it was successful. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at all the hashtags and uh, see um, see how many populated, you know, how many, how many people are actually posting stuff. But uh, I think it was trending on some of the, uh, some of the social media networks. So you guys should check that out. You know, you still have time. You still have time. It is still Barack Obama's birthday until midnight tonight, guys. So put on your favorite Trump gear, you know, whether that's a Trump shirt or, you know, save America hat or what have you, or post your favorite president Trump, uh, graphic or meme, you know, and, and make sure you hashtag national Trump day, hashtag impeach 44, uh, because there's something to that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, that I think is probably going to be coming down the pipeline at some point in the future. I mean, if you take a look at everything that is happening right now in our nation in regards to our political climate, um, it, it really you really get the sense that the water is starting to recede from the beaches of the Democrats and these big waves of accountability are starting to come up, you know? And so the more we as a base unite around concepts and ideas like that, uh, the more it spreads quicker. And then of course, if you are a believer in the 100th monkey syndrome, as I am, that's another one of the reasons why I do this broadcast, you know? I am a big believer in the 100th monkey syndrome and God put me here to be a transmitter, ladies and gentlemen. That is my job, okay? So that's another reason why I do this show. Uh, so I can transmit the information and whatever energies and vibes that I release that uh, if they mesh with you, if they gel with you, um, if they resonate with you, ladies and gentlemen, well, we might be on a better track than not. So well, I'd say it. Yeah, guys, you have until midnight. Throw on your Trump gear. Get that hashtag National Trump Day rolling and uh, let's let's bring some liberal tears to the household of Big Mike and Lil Barry tonight, ladies and gentlemen. What do you say? Just for old time's sake, why don't we unite for one night on President? Uh, why am I even calling him President? Barack Obama's birthday and uh, let's rub Trump in his face. Oh man, too much fun, guys. Too much fun. I was having a lot of fun with that today. I was having a lot of fun with that today. I'm already having a lot of fun here tonight. How are you guys doing tonight? I see y'all uh, hopping into the chat rooms. We got Mr. Relanon hanging out with us. Good evening, sir. Good to see you. We have Glenna Riggleman. Good evening, Glenna. It's the first time I've seen your name in the chat room. Welcome on in to uh, the Mr. C chats over at the foxhole.appandpill.net. So glad to have you with us. Um, I have no doubt you will uh, enjoy your time here with the audience. And uh, hopefully I will provide some of that enjoyment for you as well. And uh, let's see who else do we got. Ziploc. Ziploc. It's been a minute since I've seen you, friend. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, Relanon, thank you for the 117 gold pills, my friend. And uh, Glenna Riegelman, thank you so much for gifting the cookie. And good evening to you as well. Tim Bajet is in the house. He voted in the poll. I, I, have not, I did not look at the poll before I got on the air, so I don't know. Actually, I could probably pull it up. Would you like, guys like to see an illustration of Truth Social's website? Because <laughs> I can do it. Um, and uh, we can see where those numbers are. Actually, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued now to do it. And, uh, you know, I was like, I need to get through all of the stories I have for you guys tonight because, you know, trying to be timely, trying to adhere to schedules. Not that I have to, but, you know, uh, for the sake of the people. <laughs> And uh, here I am already talking away the entire first half hour of the show. Now, 
I am super curious how this poll is doing. Actually, let me go ahead and put that up on the screen for you guys, because uh, I told you I was going to show you Truth Social's website. So at least let me uh, <laughs> at least let me keep to my word. Oh, well, look, there you go. The first post pop up. I did not even want to show you guys this one. That was this is my this is my um, Truth Social uh, National Trump Day post for today. Let me just I'll I'll enlarge that. See, I threw in my Trump gear, <laughs> my Trump hat. I was actually gonna wear this on the show today, but all of the banners blocked up the shirt, so I was like, ah, it's okay, it's okay. Uh, and then I wore my President Trump undefeated shirt. And uh, on Twitter and on Instagram, I tagged Barack Obama and I told him, didn't you know President Trump is undefeated? <laughs> anyway, so there's that. Uh, I want to see the poll. Dang, Timba Jet, did you vote against? <laughs> Timba Jet, have you not learned anything about the Republican Party? No, it's okay. I mean, I totally respect everyone's uh, opinion on it. I totally respect everyone's opinion on it. It's really to provoke a thought. Ladies and gentlemen, not to influence, not to jide, not to heckle, not to pick, not to divide, but really just to um, just to uh, to to put a thought into one's mind about the way things could possibly go, you know, because like I said, with the January 6th unselect committee, I feel like if the Republican Party does in fact want to boot Trump from the party or at the very least prevent him from running in 2024, the January 6th unselect committee hearing into the false flag Capitol riots could very well be that catalyst. But ladies and gentlemen, rest assured, there is a Garland Favorito moment. There is a silver lining. There is a reason behind the thought process there is a method to that mad thought ladies and gentlemen and that would be this how beautiful would it be if president trump were to run third party and the nation gets behind him that would be a total refutation of the uniparty two-party system that has controlled and divided the American people from the jump. And it would signal to them that they have lost all of their power. Not that they're going to give it up, but they will know for a fact where they stand. And it may not even be that it is President Trump, but for some reason, on this day, on this hour, at this time, President Trump was chosen to be that voice. He was chosen to be that representation. He was chosen to be that person to, uh, to really do the counterpunch against the establishment, against the swamp, against the deep state and the globalists. These are the very people who are trying to what? Eliminate what? Like 95% of the population uh, that want to uh, feed off the blood and the bodies of babies, you know, we don't get down with that here at the Sea Report, nor do we get down with that anywhere across the America first, patriotic, God-fearing, Christian. None of us get down with any of that stuff, you know. But but that is exactly what this uniparty has been doing, okay? And the idea of the uniparty is something that we have always thought just think about before Trump, if you were with us, if you were with us before Trump, what was one of those things 
that that some of us always thought about, and that was we don't need a Republican Party; they're traitors. We we need a third party. You know, you know that's why in two thousand eight. Uh, Ron Paul, who's primarily, he's libertarian, but he ran as a Republican with libertarian values, but we wanted a libertarian. I mean, I voted for a libertarian prior to Ron Paul, you know, because I voted for Ron Paul as a Republican. And, um, you know, uh, but but what, what did the Uniparty do to the third party in America? They made it difficult. They made it nigh impossible for them to get anywhere. They couldn't get into debates, right? They couldn't raise the campaign money. That totally gave the optical illusion that they were not popular and that their message wasn't ringing out with the the people, okay? So it was totally rigged and designed to work against the third party. So let me ask you this, guys. If you have two parties that have colluded together, to keep other voices out. Do you not think that these two parties might actually genuinely be working together underneath the same umbrella uh, with both of them having chains held by the same master's hand? And if that's the case, do you really think that the Republican Party is something that we believe it is now, post-Trump, which is something that we thought it always was, but it never was, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh... Are you getting a little bit of that cognitive dissonance out there? Okay, because I would expect that we have, we have many well-meaning, good-spirited, good-hearted, God-fearing, America-loving, constitution-respecting, republic-restorationist patriots in this audience or those who will hear this broadcast at some point, and they're going to get that cognitive dissonance. And it's because they know somewhere in the back of their mind what I am saying is true. And if you can think about the times before President Trump, you will know. And I'm kind of getting chills back here. Maybe it's just my hand. But you will know it's true, guys, that they really have never done anything for us. They've always worked for themselves. They've always tricked and fooled us. And you know what? It gets even worse in the state house, not even at Capitol Hill. You know, Capitol Hill has a magnifying glass on it just about all the time, especially now, because uh, after all, people like myself and the other content creators at the foxhole.app, we are the news now. Okay, we run the stories. You know, if we have a big idea and we get that story on like a social media app and it spreads like wildfire, well, the next thing you know, they're reporting on it or they're having to debunk it or they're having to acknowledge it, ladies and gentlemen. It's just some things to think about. You know, I don't I don't want everyone to uh, turn in their Republican, you know, uh, membership card tonight. I'm not. I'm not going to turn it in. You know, I'm still going to be a registered Republican until um, I decide not to be, ladies and gentlemen. But I'm just interjecting that food for thought. Just something to mull over, something to digest slowly and maybe with a stiff drink. (laughs) Some of us will need it. Trust me. Uh, but I, I can understand why, uh, you know, the account here at Truth Social uh, Seashells, but I, I'm making this up. It wasn't Seashells by the Seashore, obviously. It was something like that. But I can understand why they would uh, react in such a way, you know. I, I mean, I get it, you know. Uh, people don't like it when you come for the things that they value or that they have bought into, you know. And I've bought into things as well. I mean, I bought into the Republican Party for a short time as well. And then I had to remember, oh, yeah. All of these wins that Trump gave us made me forget about the core of the Republican Party, 
the Mitch McConnells, the, uh, the Lizard Cheneys, the Suzanne Collins, okay? The core of the Republican Party is the swamp, ladies and gentlemen. And if they are still in an elected office, then we have not drained the swamp. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying, guys? If those people are still sitting in Capitol Hill today, the swamp has not been drained, okay? If we're going to drain the swamp and we mean what we say, we're going to get rid of these people, okay? We're going to get rid of these people. Does that mean totally destroying the Republican Party? Not necessarily. But it does mean they've got to go. And uh, we, we really can't gloat about wins and wins and wins if we are still allowing this root parasite to infest our, our nation, ladies and gentlemen. It is a root parasite. It's deeply embedded. It's right in the gut. You know, it's worse than a tapeworm, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. And it's eating us alive. And it's eating this nation alive. And it's, it's depleting our strength. And it's destroying our resources. And I could go on and on and on on that soapbox. But look, an hour has already flown right by, ladies and gentlemen. So anyways, at... Uh, <laughs> At last count, the uh, the Mr. CTV, the C-Report poll stands at zero yes and 100% no. <laughs> so uh, that, uh, I don't know how, I don't know how that makes me feel, ladies and gentlemen. That kind of makes me feel, that kind of makes me feel like uh, the way I felt about the uh, people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania when they all cheered their love for the likes of Dr. Oz and Fox News and Sean Hannity. I was like, oh, crap. We're in a lot more trouble than I thought we were if these people don't understand their operatives. <laughs> God help us all. Anyways, guys. Okay, let's stop with that. Let's stop with that, guys. <laughs> oh, hey, Timbajet. Timbajet's, Timbajet's chatting away over there. I, I, you know, Timbajet, I think everyone is just enthralled with my point of view, right? <laughs> probably not. They're probably seething. Nah. I'm just joking, guys. I don't know what's up with this soapbox today. I just had, I just had a good dinner, and uh, I guess it's making me a little. Where am I? <laughs> I guess it's making me a little wordy today. Yeah, maybe today should just be a chat show. You know, we're not going to be covering any election uh, stories tonight, guys. Okay, I take it back. We're covering one election story tonight, but we went so hard on the election news the last three days, y'all. I was like, tonight, no election stories. I'm going to give the family and the friends something different, right? <laughs> we will have one, and I think you guys will like it. it it's a treat. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite topics to talk about when not talking about elections and still talking about elections. Hey, Sumter53, how you doing over there at Rumble? And uh, how you doing, boss? Good to see you, sir, over there at uh, Rumble. You guys hanging out. I hope you guys uh, are enjoying yourself from that venue. And, uh, well, let's go ahead and get into tonight's report already at an hour in guys. And I was not planning on running into overtime tonight, but you know what? I'm only on one time on Thursdays. So if we have a little bit of overtime, you know, I'm sure you'll forgive me. I'm sure you will forgive me. Oh, <laughs> Timberjet. Thank you. Timberjet says, I like your soapbox. Speak it brother. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh, is he now? Timbajet informs that Hannity is speaking at CPAC this weekend. You see, 
And, uh, you know, do, do you think you're going to hear any of the establishment rhinos or the uh, uh, the Swamp Republicans uh, say uh, Sean Hannity is an operative? No, they're not. They're going to say Sean Hannity gets me on his show. If I'm on Sean Hannity's show, people see my face and then I'm popular. Right. That's what they're going to say, that they're all self-serving. You know, they're all full of themselves. They're all narcissists at the end of the day. Not all of them, obviously. That's an absolute statement. But for the most part, I think you guys understand what I'm saying. All right, guys, we only have one President Trump statement for today. Count it one President Trump statement for today. Actually, he had a panoply of uh, endorsements for the state of Tennessee. It was probably like four, like at least four. I guess it doesn't count as a panoply, right? Right. It's more like a quantopoly. Uh, but he had about four endorsements for um, some um, representatives, candidates in uh, the state of Tennessee. We won't be going through those tonight, uh, but we will be venturing into the single, singular, um, singular statement from President Trump for this evening. We'll get it on the screen. Good evening, W.C. Cranop. How are you doing, sir? Uh, W.C. asks, what happened to Kerry Lake? Been away today. Well, uh, last I checked into Carrie Lake, uh, she is still the presumptive nominee. But you see, WC, what had happened was uh, Katie Hobbs, in an effort to totally mock every bit of integrity that, um, you know, the elected, elected representatives of the people of Arizona and all their hard work and all their good intention into auditing the Maricopa County um, um, a, a race of 2020. Well, they decided to hold off what? Is it something like, I think it was like 20,000 ballots. It might be more than that. It might be more than that. But um, 20,000 ballots, they decided, oh, we need to, we need to, uh, we need to check these ballots. We need to make sure that they're, uh, they're all good and they're all right and accurate. So, the official results of that race have not been released. Also, from what I understand, Carrie Lake's opponent, Karen Robeson, has said that she would unify with Carrie Lake for governor, but she has not conceded yet. Because Katie Hobbs is out there uh, probably um, counterfeiting some ballots. I wouldn't doubt it, guys. Carrie Lake, I mean, Carrie Lake, I'm sorry, Katie Hobbs. There are too many K names here in Arizona in that one governor's race. Katie, Karen, and Karen, and Carrie. Jeez Louise, Katie, Karen, and Carrie. Anyways, Katie Hobbs is out there counterfeiting ballots. And um, we have to watch this, though, because uh, what was it? 80% of the um, election day votes so far have gone to Carrie Lake. 80% of the votes for election day went to Carrie Lake, okay? So, um, yeah, we, we really need to watch it because um, it was like, what, 46 to 40%, you know? We're talking about less than 10,000 votes difference between uh, Carrie and Karen. So um, with 20,000 votes plus sitting out there in some, you know, um, electioneer's office with probably nothing but Democrat progressive type operatives, you know, messing with the ballots, they might try and pull off a steal just yet. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm just saying uh, it is it is ever the possibility. So hopefully they haven't kicked out any of the election workers or the, the ballot uh, observers or the 
What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The Sea Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to thecereport.com. At thecereport.com, you can get more information on The Sea Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right, head on over to thecereport.com. That's www.thecereport.com. And be sure to follow us on our social medias Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Hill.net. You know, I, I guess they don't need the poll observers anymore, but uh, well, you guys know what I'm saying, right? Right, right, you do. Okay, being that we're already at the top of the first hour, I'm going to go ahead and reset my clock for today's episode, episode number 349. We're feeling just fine on a Thursday night, and we're ready to get into this. Now, incidentally, incidentally, uh, the statement we have from President Trump is actually a tad sobering. Uh, It uh, has to do with uh, the congresswoman from Indiana. I'm sure you all might be aware of. She was from Indiana, I believe, right? I believe she was. It was it was Indiana, not Iowa. Yeah, Indiana. Oh, man, guys, that I've got some ideas about that. um, But it it has to deal with Congresswoman um, Congresswoman Malorsky. Uh, Congresswoman Walorski, as you all may know, um, if it has been reported on shows that you watch or if uh, it's been reported and it's being reported everywhere, uh, died in a car accident yesterday afternoon, about 1230 p.m. Central Time. Now, uh, Congresswoman Walorski and two of her, um, um, I guess, two of her aides, ladies and gentlemen, uh, they all died in this car accident. It was a head on collision. Um, wherein one of the vehicles uh, went into the opposite lane, okay? So uh, we're talking about a head-on collision. All four people associated with this collision died. Uh, May they rest in peace. Um, and, And here's the thing about it, before we read President Trump's statement, the thing about it is yesterday it was reported that, uh, uh, Congresswoman Walorski and her team were driving, I think, like northbound on a specific highway, and uh, the uh, automobile in the opposite la- on the opposite side of the uh, street uh, drove into their lane headfirst. It has been discovered today that, in fact, it was Congresswoman Walorski's car that went into the oncoming traffic lane, and it was because of that car, that this accident happened. So an investigation is ensuing, obviously. They have have a video of the incident um, uh, and they have eyewitness uh, reports of the incident. So they are opening up an investigation into this. Uh, I I didn't realize it until I said it now that it was in the state of Indiana, right? Um, what, What do you guys think of when you think of the state of Indiana? Now, I don't know much about Congresswoman Walorski. I know that she served in the Indiana House for about 12 years, okay? About 12 years. Uh, she was on the Ways and Means Committee, I believe. She was one of the prominent figures in the GOP for Indiana. Uh, where she stood on election integrity, where she stood on abortion, where she stood on Trump, I don't know. Honestly, guys, I don't know. I haven't looked into her that much. But if this woman... 
provided presented a threat to deep dark establishment entities this could make sense um now call me paranoid uh call me a conspiracy theorist okay and and i don't mind getting into this kind of woo on a topic like this here at the c report but uh, i've seen this happen twice before already within the last two years okay think about the uh virginia race the virginia race against nancy mace okay the Virginia race against Nancy Mace. Nancy Mace, a rhino Republican who turned her back on President Trump the minute she got in office. She was going to be, she was uh, She was running up against, um, I cannot remember her name, uh, Ariana. Her first name was Ariana. <laughs> That's about all I remember. But, uh, but um, uh, nevertheless, Nancy Mace's America first Trump endorsed opponent she was in a head-on collision herself. God bless, she survived the accident. She uh, underwent months and months and months. She had surgeries. She had physical therapy, um, you know, and she's still not the woman that she was prior to the accident. And she ran again, guys. She ran again this year. No, I take it back. It was in uh, during Virginia's elections. That was, was that in 2021, end of 2021, or was that in this year? Anyways. Um, she did run again uh, against Nancy Mace. Nancy Mace took the race, unfortunately. But thank you. Thank you, Sean Joe. Arrington, South Carolina. I said Virginia. I said Virginia. What would I do without people like Sean Joe in the audience? I tell you what, I got the best audience, guys. Uh, but yes, yeah, South Carolina, um, uh, Ariana. No, not her name wasn't Ariana. It was Arrington. <laughs> God, I am so unprofessional sometimes. Anyways, <clears throat> well, you know, anyhow. So, yes, um, Arrington, ladies and gentlemen, Arrington. I know <laughs> Sean Joe's putting it in all caps. Well, okay, so Miss um, Arrington gets into a head-on collision. And she is, in, obviously, she's taken right out of the race. And the, uh, the rhino establishment candidate, Nancy Mace, goes on to take the seat. Okay. You know where this also happened, guys? This happened here in the state of Texas. Okay. During the Texas Railroad Commissioner's race this year for the primaries, we had Wayne Christian, a big oil, big energy, deep pocket candidate. Okay, we're talking like uh, Rhino Abbott and Wayne Christensen. They they toss wads of money at each other, guys. It's that corrupt. Okay, and uh, under Wayne Christian's. Uh, watch, we had our power grid go down last February because he decided not to enforce some of the rules and regulations for essential. And you would think that all energy plants and all electricity plants and all coal, anything that produces energy, right, for the people, for the houses, for the homes, you would think all of that is essential. But According to Wayne Christians, it's not. And you know why it's not essential to him? Because if he had forced the energy companies to uh, to divvy up the money to uh, reinforce our energy grid, well, then uh, they would have lost money. And then guess what? His friends over at uh, Big Petroleum, they wouldn't be getting all the money that they did because uh, no one could get the natural gas. So they had to go to petroleum or whatever, however that works, you know. 
you know, if you if you don't use one energy, you use another type of energy. And uh, whatever energy won, well, they made a lot of money because of Wayne Christian. And then they went ahead and they gave Wayne Christian a big payout. So you see, when it came to the railroad commissioner's race in Texas primary this year, ladies and gentlemen, the number one contender, the 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 only person in that race that could have sat Wayne Christian down and primaried him. A man by the name of the Sarge died in a head-on collision with a tanker truck, ladies and gentlemen. Tanker truck turned right in front of him and bam, he went head first, guys. And I, you know, you know, we don't believe in uh, coincidences over here. So you know what? Call me a conspiracy theorist, call me a lunatic, you know, uh tinfoil hat, all you want. But if um Congresswoman Walorski presented any type of threat to the deep, dark Mike Pence, Indiana GOP establishment, it could make sense that that occurred. And uh, I would say an investigation is definitely merited. Okay, I don't know who else is going to say something like that, y'all. But like I said, sometimes I just say things. Uh, let's see what President Trump had to say today about Congresswoman Walorski. President Trump says, I am deeply saddened to learn of the passing of my good friend, Congresswoman Jackie Walorski, her aide Emma Thompson, and community, community leader Zachary Potts. Jackie was a wonderful woman and an impassioned advocate for the people of Indiana. We worked together very closely, and I was privileged to know her for many years. May the families of the loved ones of Jackie, Emma, and Zachary find comfort during this tragic time, they will be greatly missed. Very, very tragic, ladies and gentlemen, very tragic. I believe um, I read an article that said that they were driving uh, some model Buick. It was a Buick, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so, you know, my, my next thought, you know, where my brain jumps to next, uh, knowing that information, is uh, figuring out what kind of operating system the Buicks run on. Uh, because if they use QNX operating systems and Buicks, um, QNX operating systems have been proven numerous times to be able to be remotely hacked. Okay. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm not saying that's what happened. Okay. But you know me, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think someone who tells you don't believe I committed suicide unless you see the video. Say that unless they mean it, okay? And same thing with this situation here. I don't I don't put that I don't put them I don't put anything past these people, okay? And I would rather ask the question than just bow my head and go with the current, you know? I would rather ask the question and be sure beyond a reasonable doubt that the Buick cars do not have a QNX, uh, you know, remote control system. And that, uh, you know, uh, everything was on the up and up, okay? That's just the kind of person I am when it comes to things like this. I would rather have every stone unturned. I would rather look like the village idiot for the sake of the truth being exposed, okay? Than to just go along with it and justice remain unserved when it needs to be. And that's just me. That's just who I am. And, uh, well, take it or leave it, ladies and gentlemen. But, uh, again, a very sad situation over there in Indiana, and again, uh, to the families of uh, Congresswoman uh, Walorski and uh, Mr. Potts and uh, Miss Thompson there, uh, 
um, our heartfelt um, condolences go to them at this time. And uh, may they have peace in these moments, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, that was our statement from President Trump to start the show, guys. I told you it's a little bit sobering. But uh, let's go ahead and get into our first story for tonight. Now, like I said, we're only going to have one election story tonight. And uh, it's an election story, but not an election story. And the only reason why that is, ladies and gentlemen, is because it's not an election story that has anything to do with the United States of America. It has to do with our good friend from Brazil, President Jair Bolsonaro, ladies and gentlemen. He has relaunched or he has launched his re-election bid in the nation of Brazil. They have presidential elections coming up in October, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, if you all are unfamiliar with President Bolsonaro or the politics of Brazil, we cover we cover international news from time to time, particularly regarding um, how would you say um, nation first type of. Um, Individuals, yeah, you know, he's Brazil first, guys. Uh, he believes in the sovereignty of his nation. He believes in the will and the liberty of the people. He believes in them being armed. He's basically a President Trump, but for Brazil. So anytime we come across those types of um, figures around the world, I like to highlight their stories. And uh, man, I think it was last summer and fall, we did a heck of a lot of Brazil stories, a lot of stories on Jair Bolsonaro here. This man is a brave man. He's courageous. Uh, he's been through a lot. He's been stabbed. He's uh, He's been attacked. Uh, he's been through the mill with the uh, federal government in Brazil, with the judiciary in Brazil, and of course, his opponents in the legislature, a uh, legislative branch of Brazil as well. So this man and the media as well, okay? Everyone goes after this man, okay? And if you were to read an article about President Bolsonaro, out of any old, you know, rag that you pick up, the first thing they will say is he is a right-wing extremist who pushes election conspiracies, and he sounds like Trump and the big lie because he keeps on saying that we need to have paper ballots. Now, the nation of Brazil does not do paper ballots at all. They are a completely electronic-based um, voting um, type of system. And all he's asking for is to have paper ballots. But that makes him a right-wing extremist. That makes him a an election conspiracy theorist. And that makes him also a Nazi. And uh, that makes him like this, uh, this, this mean, nasty old curmudgeon, basically, guys. I mean, there is nothing nice said about this man in the legacy press. It's very hard to find a good local press, good local coverage that is indeed fair-minded and indeed, you know, um, <clears throat> uh, tells the story with a, a little bit of fact and a little bit of integrity, okay? Uh, but yes, yeah, so we'll, we'll uh, talk about uh, this real quick. Uh, and then also here in the chat, just let me say, W.C. Cranop, thank you so much for donating 159 gold pills. Um, set up is there, my friends in chat. Yes, indeed. Oh, yes. And Sean Joe said uh, she, yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, uh, Miss Arrington did primary Nancy Mace, but Nancy took the race. So she did not get primaried. And uh, let's see here. I thought I saw this woman was cleaning up elections in her state or something that day. Oh, really, Timbajet? See, that's what I'm saying. You're like, I need to look into Walorski. I'm wondering what she was doing. And, and I wonder if that was a Mike Pence hit. Now, I'm going to say it. 
I wonder if that was a Mike Pence hit. I mean, he is the most powerful Republican in the state of Indiana. And uh, maybe some of you all know about some of the rumors of his involvement in certain industries that are underground. None of that is uh, proven, of course, but uh, it's interesting food for thought, right? It's not really a rabbit hole to go down. I, I wouldn't waste my time on it per se, uh, but um, it is, it is an it, it, it adds a totally different dimension to what's going on, you know, when you think about it. Um, WC Cranop said, uh, in regard to that story, what about the other car? How new was it? Uh, the article I read did say the name of both cars, the, the type of cars. Uh, it's just the, the other car I know did not use a QNX operating. And you know, QNX is not the only type of operating system that could be hackable. Uh, but when you're talking about uh, the QNX operating systems in uh, cars like the Escalades and stuff like that, uh, those are 100% hackable. So, you know, what is who makes Escalade? I don't know who makes Escalade. Whoever makes that car, uh, whatever brand uh, makes that car company, all of their operating systems use that um, use that model. And they have, you, you can look it up, guys. Look it up. Uh, you can go search a video, QNX operating systems hackable, and they will live show you them hacking into these cars and controlling them and stuff like that. Uh, what do you think they, what do you think they're saying happened to, um, uh, what was that guy's name? It wasn't Breitbart, right? No, no, it wasn't Breitbart. The one, the one that his car blew up, right? I mean, it, it ran headfirst into a tree, like at 500 miles an hour and just, you know, the engine was shot like 500 yards away. Oh God, I cannot remember that man's name. It wasn't Breitbart. It wasn't Andrew Breitbart. Uh, you guys will Cadillac. Thank you, WC Cranop. So yes, the Cadillac models, all the new Cadillacs, they use the QNX operating system. That means they're all hackable. Okay. Uh, there was something, I think like the uh, Dodge Rams, like the newer, the bigger cars, I believe those were also, uh, I believe those were also um, using QNX operating, QNX. Yeah, I believe that is it. Was trying to find that QNX system. It's there guys. I'm pretty sure. Um, I did a story on it a few months ago, uh, but uh, that, that's that's you know a few months removed. But I, that just I wondered. I was like, does the this new model of Buick? Because it, it was a newer model Buick. I recognized what it was. It just fails me. But I wondered if they do. You know, most uh, most of these cars that use the QNX operating systems, they're like the 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 new computerized cars with the screens and all that stuff and uh, all of the bells and the whistles, so to speak. So um, yeah. Yeah, uh, if they do use QNX, it's a slight possibility. It, it's at least a fraction of a possibility. And you know what they say, guys? If it is a, if there is a fraction of a chance that it could happen in your world, it's probably happening in an alternate dimension, anyways. So yeah, well, there you go. Uh, but let's see what else we got going on here before we get into the story of Bolsonaro. Jair Bolsonaro. His his uh, name is kind of musical, isn't it? Uh, oh, thank you for the can also, WC Cranop. Uh, have a drink, brother. Keck. I will. Thank you. Timbajet, you are just dying for that Ukraine fix, aren't you? You know, I actually was going to run a Ukraine story this week. I was either going to do it today or yesterday, uh, but I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Uh, if you want to get your Ukraine fix, go back to uh, go back to previous episodes of the Sea uh, Report. <laughs> We've been covering Ukraine since January, sir. 
giving you all of the good information. Yeah, we live debunked almost every single incident that happened live on the air. It's just it's been one of those uh, one of those moments here. But uh, you do what you got to do, Timajet. Go get your fix, my friend. Go get your fix. And uh, and send my regards to Space Shot. Why don't you tell send them send them our love, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, Mr. Timajet. All right, so let's see what else we got in here before we get into uh, President Bolsonaro's story. Uh, Sean Joe's gifting the cookie and WC Cranop throwing one back at him. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate your support. Michael Hastings, thank you, Raylanon. I there's so many names, right? At least I didn't say uh, you know Seth uh, Richards. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm going to be like, Andrew Breitbart got, uh, got, uh, got mugged on the street by MS-13 because he had a, uh, he had a little uh, flash drive uh, from the DNC hack, right? <laughs> we know it wasn't Andrew Breitbart. It was Seth Richards. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll get the names right. They, they just, you know, they, they jumble around in my head like a little bingo, like a uh, spinner thingy there, right? <laughs> just one pops out and I'm like, uh, I'm just helpless to say the name. All right, guys, let's see here. Let's get into President Bolsonaro. It's our only election story for tonight. And uh, let's see what he's going up against. Um, so uh, article here uh, says uh, President Jair Bolsonaro launches candidacy for re-election more important than our life is our freedom, says President Bolsonaro. Let's take a look at it. And it says this, Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro launched his candidacy for re-election at a major event in the state of Rio de Janeiro. The Brazilian leader defended God, freedom, and homeland in front of an audience of more than 12,000 people. Bolsonaro is the favorite candidate of conservatives in Brazil. In his speech, he pointed out actions of his government, such as construction works, reduction of corruption, privatization of public companies, autonomy of ministers to perform tasks, and the financial assistance granted to Brazilians during the COVID-19 pandemic. Bolsonaro also defended um, agribusiness, the country's technological advances, and criticized the quarantines adopted by state governors during the pandemic. The president emphasized that he has never ordered a nationwide lockdown or he had, or has he not he has also not ordered any commercial establishment to close and he criticized state administrators who have restricted citizens freedom to work study or go to religious temples the first lady of brazil michelle bolsonaro was the first to speak at the event she defended God and her husband's administration. This nation is rich. It's prosperous. It has only been mismanaged in the past. God loves this nation, she said. Speaking to the audience, President Jair Bolsonaro defended freedom and compared it to the Cuban dictatorship, where the people cannot express themselves against the government. President Bolsonaro said, when you talk about people power, does anyone think that Cuban citizens don't want freedom? They want it, but they don't have it. How to get to that point? By wrong choices. Our mission is not to get in the way of your lives. It's more and more to get the state 
off your backs. Strong state, weak people. Strong people, strong state, said the president, who is applauded by the audience. Bolsonaro also called on the population to go to the streets next September 7th, the date in which Brazil will celebrate 200 years of its independence. The president's idea is to protest against the Supreme Court justices who have often adopted political stances and issued decisions unfavorable to Bolsonaro's administration. Bolsonaro told his supporters, I call on all of you now for everyone on September 7th to take to the streets for the last time. Let's take to the streets for the last time. These few deaf black clad, the Supreme Court justices, must understand what the voice of the people is. They must understand that it is the executive branch and the legislative branch that make the law. Everyone must play according to the Constitution. We don't want Brazil dominated by another power, and we have a few other powers keeping an eye on Brazil. What do we want? Peace, tranquility, respect for the Constitution, respect for the laws, and independence among the powers. And uh, the supporters went wild, ladies and gentlemen, with a loud applause. In his administration... Bolsonaro has fulfilled one of his biggest government promises, facilitating access to weapons by civilians. The Brazilian president repealed laws that prevented citizens from being able to buy firearms, especially through the hunters, shooters, and collectors group known as the CACs, or the CACs in Portuguese. That's the acronym. During Jair Bolsonaro's administration, the number of individuals who own guns increased by 474%. Currently in Brazil, there are more armed citizens than active military police officers nationwide. Jair Bolsonaro is a strong advocate of civilian arming. According to him, only a gun brings the guarantee that there will be no dictatorships in the country. President, President Bolsonaro said, I am not afraid of the armed people. All dictatorships preceded disarmament movements. And armed people will never be enslaved. Nobody disarms the American people. There's no use in showing up in the USA someone with the spirit of a dictator because it will not work. Brazil needs to create this spirit here as well. And uh, he said that in a ceremony at the seat of government recently. President Jair Bolsonaro's biggest opponent is former socialist president Luis Inacio Lula da Silva of the Workers' Party. Lula was president for eight years from 2003 to 2010 <clears throat> and left office marked by strong corruption scandals. He was arrested for corruption and money laundering, but was released on orders from the Brazilian Supreme Court. So if you guys want to know how bad a Supreme Court can get when they start playing politicals, uh, politics, uh, I would say take a look at the Brazilian Supreme Court of today. Uh, they are exactly what you do not want the United States Supreme Court to become. Okay, Not that the Democrats aren't trying, right? Not that the uh, globalists and the deep staters aren't trying. 
the socialist candidate, uh, this uh, Luis uh, Lula da Silva, he defends the legalization of abortion. Um, he defends media regulation, the end of public spending limits, gun control, and recently said he could end the war in Ukraine by offering beer to the president of Russia and Ukraine. What? That silly socialist, what is he thinking? Doesn't he know Putin doesn't drink nothing but rye vodka? No, just kidding. I don't even know that. I'm just making a funny. Lula has also uh, Lula also defends socialist countries in Latin America and has heavily funded leftist organiz uh, sorry dictatorships during his administration, especially Cuba and Venezuela. I guess we know what direction uh, former President Lula da Silva wants to take Brazil in, huh? Polls say that uh, Lula is the favorite to win Brazil's elections, which will take place in November. I heard it was October, Gateway Pundit. Actually, Gateway Pundit, you also said it was October last summer. Anyways, okay. But the public is suspicious of the veracity of the information conveyed by the surveys. All right, guys. Oh, pardon me. All right. So, uh, well, there's that. So um, it, here, here, guys, we got uh, President Jair Bolsonaro running again. We knew that he was, okay? But here we see the same tactics that are used against candidates like President Trump are being used in other countries as well. Uh, you know, so I would not doubt that the polls in Brazil are very biased and very skewed, okay? I would not doubt it at all. And that is to present or to project a win for the establishment candidate so that if they do steal the election, well, you know, the public's going to be like, well, the polls said it was for Lula da Silva anyways, como que, como qua. You know, so like, I guess, I guess, pienso que, que, you know, I guess, I guess he lost, whatever. Anyway, you know, Brazilians don't even speak Spanish. They speak Portuguese. <laughs> I know nor Portuguese. No, 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 yo. All right. Uh, let's see here. I had uh, another story or two about Brazil I wanted to share with you guys. Let's talk about, um, well, what I would call President Bolsonaro's uh, support for the Second Amendment. But uh, I mean, that's not the Brazilian constitution. That's just a that's just America speak, ladies and gentlemen, for we support the right to bear arms, right? And uh, so does President Bolsonaro. And it says here, exclusive Brazil federal police warned against Bolsonaro arms agenda, a document shows. So again, guys, um, in the um, nation of Brazil, you have one nationalist conservative candidate who's for the people, a populist candidate. And he is dealing with a corrupt legislative branch. He is dealing with a corrupt judicial branch. He is dealing with the corrupt media. And he is dealing with corrupt federal government agencies. I mean, he's got it stacked against him just like President Trump did, ladies and gentlemen. And, and yet he has made it this far through and through. And uh, we're looking to see um, it's either going to be a big blowout for you know conservatives in um in brazil in october or we're gonna see a repeat of what happened on november 3 2020 down there guys so uh 
Should be interesting to watch. Can't wait for it. Uh, but oh, look at that. This gun, it says Bolsonaro on it. That's pretty cool. Did he have that made for him, I wonder? It says here, oh, and by the way, guys, this is coming from a Legacy Press Establishment Media article. Oh, yeah, IB Times. So it, it, it'll be peppered with a little bit of bias. Let's see what they have to say. As President Jair Bolsonaro has aggressively sought to boost gun ownership in Brazil, documents obtained by Reuters reveal one key source of resistance to, the, to his agenda, his own federal police. Nearly two decades after Brazil passed a landmark firearms control law, Bolsonaro has used dozens of executive orders to weaken such restrictions, turning the right to bear arms into a symbol of his right-wing movement. A major liberalization bill under discussion in the Senate could enshrine in law his push to make Brazil a gun-toting nation like the United States of America. Yet previously unreported documents show Brazil's federal police have long opposed the president's vision, issuing stark warnings about two Bolsonaro-backed bills to weaken gun control, including the one now awaiting the Senate vote. In at least eight formal institutional positions delivered to Congress from 2018 until early this year, Brazil's top cops said the proposals would make it harder to police the country with the world's most murderers. We consider all these changes a setback in gun control policy, the federal police wrote in December 2019 to lawmakers after the most recent measure passed the lower house. Well, you know, I would submit to the federal police of Brazil this notion. You disarmed your people. So all the criminals became armed. The people shuddered to the criminals. The criminals got very powerful. The criminals multiplied because uh, they found out, hey, it's easier to be lawless here. No one has a gun. Might as well become a bad guy. It has to turn around somewhere, doesn't it, ladies and gentlemen? At some point, you have to stop the train and back it up, okay? Even if it's hurtling down a hill at 100 miles plus an hour, it's got to stop at some point. It's got to stop at some point. But this is the kind of pushback that you'll see, obviously, across the board, uh, because they want to maintain their power and control. And, and they are working for other forces, globalist forces, if you will. So anyhow, just, just more food for thought, guys. <laughs> Let's get back to this article. Um, it says here, uh, if approved by senators, police wrote, the law would without doubt result in a return to the chaotic situation in the country of excessive gun supply in circulation, including illegal ones, which were already there before the bill was wrote in, uh, written, pardon me, uh, which could make crime rates much worse. Still, the federal police eventually gave qualified support with strongly worded reservations to the measure which came with the president's backing. According to a senior officer with knowledge of the documents, that conditional endorsements was a sign of Bolsonaro's influence over a force that critiques, uh, 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 that critics, uh, pardon me, that critics allege 
he has staffed with allies while sidelining voices of dissent. There's a current, and if you don't follow the current, you're no longer part of the government, said the officer. The federal police did not respond to correct a request for comment, neither did Bolsonaro's office. Thanks to Bolsonaro and his policies, the number of Brazilians registering to own guns has surged sixfold since 2018 to nearly 700,000, according to the Brazilian Public Security Yearbook. In fiery stump speeches ahead of his uphill October re-election battle, I told you, Gateway Pundit, it was October. This ain't America, it's Brazil. Anyhow, um, where am I? Yeah, his fiery uphill October re-election battle, Bolsonaro has urged his followers to arm themselves or risk being enslaved. Tough gun laws must be overturned, he says, as they only help criminals. But the federal police argued in their briefings that more guns would benefit criminals. Uh, you know what? Maybe, maybe the criminals in Brazil are related to the police. And that's why they only want the criminals to have the guns. I mean, I've heard of many similar situations in um, Central and South American countries before. Heck, Podunkton Hee counties here in Texas too, right? I mean, yeah, and, and across the nation. Uh, the federal police's stance is striking in Brazil, where many cops are sympathetic to Bolsonaro. Yet the congressional briefings obtained via freedom of information requests provide rare evidence of broad antipathy toward Bolsonaro's gun agenda. Five senior officers expressed deep concern to Reuters about Bolsonaro's gun policy, but said internal political pressures prevented them from speaking out. In other words, they didn't want to lose their job. They wanted to keep, keep their office. They wanted to maintain their title and their power, so they just went along with it. I bet you that sentence was a euphemism for just what I said. Getting back to the article... So uh, they decided that, uh, you know, they couldn't, uh, they, they, there was a political forces working against them. These individuals who obviously have no backbone, right? I mean, that's what I would think about them. If they're just going along with it, they have absolutely no backbone. Um, it says here that uh, <clears throat> soon after Bolsonaro took office in 2019, uh, Eder Rosa de Magalhaes, then head of firearms control for the federal police, which was pushed out of his post after refusing to sign a pro-gun briefing to Congress. According to one of the officers, Magal Hayes, who now runs a regional office in central Brazil, declined to comment. You can't express yourself freely, said the source with knowledge of the briefings, but the federal police is very conscious that arms control has been good for Brazil, is good for Brazil. As an obscure federal lawmaker in 2014, Bolsonaro proposed a bill giving police, spies, politicians, officials, weapons collectors, rural landowners, and even journalists on the crime beat more freedom to carry guns. Bolsonaro's bill was folded into another, uh, PL 3722, which would have made it easier to buy, carry, and collect firearms. P 
Police told lawmakers in 2018 there were several practical reasons not to pass the bill, which sought to reproduce a system that has already been recognized as ineffective. There would be a clear institutional setback if this legislative proposal were approved, the police officer said. The bill has yet to pass. Faced with lingering congressional resistance, Bolsonaro has instead signed at least 41 executive orders to roll back gun regulations since 2019, according to the Sudapas Institute. His most effective tactic has been to make it easier for Brazilians to register as hunters, marksmen, or collectors, known as CACs. Under current regulations, a marksman can immediately own up to 60 weapons, while a collector can hold an unlimited arsenal. In the first five months of 2022, an average of 1,043 Brazilians registered for CACs permits each day, ladies and gentlemen. Or maybe I should just say gentlemen, right? I don't think I see any ladies in the house tonight. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Is Tessa Michelle hanging out? Nope, it's nothing but us cacks in here. <laughs> Anyways, okay, let's get back to the article. Uh, come on, guys, let's get back. Let's get back to the article. Okay, so you had over a thousand Brazilians every day registering for this permit. That is that is actually quite astonishing. Now, it says Bolsonaro, who hopes to hit one million cac permits. This year, says the rise in guns has helped reduce the murder rate, which has fallen steadily since he since before he took office from 27 per 100,000 in 2017 to just 19 per 100,000. Wow, that's almost a 10 point reduction, y'all. That is pretty impressive. And, you know, I, I, I done heard told that Brazil used to be the murder capital of the world. So, uh. Talk about cleaning up one's own image, right? Experts dispute his theory, warning that short-term homicide trends in Brazil are often driven by shifting gang alliances, like uh, who, which gang's family owns the most weapons or what. But there is a strong long-term link between gun deaths and firearms in circulation. Bolsonaro has voiced concerns that his executive orders will be revoked if he is not reelected. His leftist rival, former President Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, passed the landmark 200, 200, 2003 disarmament law and has said he will disarm Brazil if he wins. So Bolsonaro also has also backed PL 3723, which would embed CAC rights, CAC rights, in law, allowing them to carry ready-to-use weapons. The federal police have also taken issue with PL 3723. In late 2019, they, were, they warned that Brazil's fragile security situation required strict arms control measures, proposed the creation of a new civil gun control body, and argued those seeking uh, CAC permits should prove they are huntsmen or marksmen. Otherwise, they wrote, ordinary citizens could use CAC permits to circumvent the current legislation on gun control, facilitating the possession and possession 
of firearms, ammunition, and accessories in a deregulated way. Despite those issues, the federal police's formal stance as of March was that PL 3723 should prosper with adjustments. The police source said this reflected the political reality under Bolsonaro. By flagging problems while technically backing the measure, cops hoped lawmakers might dilute or reject it. If PL 3723 was approved, we were certain that it would um, it would be a disgrace for Brazil, the source said, summarizing the message to senators as, if you change everything, you can approve it. So that's got to be a little bit of that uh, Brazilian wisdom for you there, ladies and gentlemen. If you can change everything, you can approve it. <laughs> I don't know what that means, guys. It's a little bit beyond me. Uh, one last article on President Bolsonaro. Now, like I said, this man has been through the mill with opposition and uh, attacks and tribulations and trial. So uh, here's uh, something that they were trying to hold him against or hold against him, ladies and gentlemen. And that had to do with the way he handled the COVID-19 uh, planned pandemic ladies and gentlemen. Now, apparently, the corrupt judicial branch went after him, and they issued subpoenas to him. Um, and he was to appear in court and do the whole litigation song and dance. Uh, but according to this article, senators call for an investigation into top prosecutors after charges against the president was shelved. Brazilian senators are calling for an investigation into one of the country's top prosecutors after she shelved several charges against the president, Jair Bolsonaro, over his mishandling of the COVID-19 pandemic. A damning congressional inquiry had recommended that Bolsonaro be charged with nine offenses, including crimes against humanity and charlatanism. charlatanism for promoting false treatments such as hydroxychloroquine, chloroquine, and ivermectin. The far-right president constantly downplayed the severity of the pandemic, initially calling it a little flu, and telling Brazilians to, to man up because we are all going to die anyway. Bolsonaro ignored early emails from Pfizer offering to sell Brazil vaccines was also... Um, uh, offering to sell Brazil vaccines and was also and was slow, pardon me, to accept a Brazilian alternative, not to say at home, uh, pardon me, uh, alternative, where did I go? Oh, losing time uh, that cost tens of thousands of dollars. He also urged Brazilians not to stay at home and not to use masks. And his government launched a campaign titled Brazil Cannot Stop. Oh, that does sound Brazilian, doesn't it? Uh, it says here, more people have died from COVID-19 in Brazil than in any other nation except the United States. I'm sure that's by design as well. The current death toll in the South American nation stands at 676,964. The current... Uh, Oh, sorry. Uh, the current death toll in the South America. Oh, wait, wait. I already heard that. Oh, that was. Oh, pardon me. That was according to the World Health Organization. 
Yeah, falling off my rocker here, guys. Pardon me. A congressional inquiry into Bolsonaro's handling of the pandemic ended last October uh, with the recommendations that the president face a range of charges. But a senior prosecutor, Lindoro Auja, or Araujo, shelved five of the nine challenges, leading senior lawmakers to request her conduct to be examined. Seven senators also asked the Supreme Court to ignore her decision as they promised not to let Bolsonaro and his supporters off the hook. They, those who want to halt the investigation will not be allowed the, to rest, said Umberto Costa, one of the seven senators. The, um, the chief uh, prosecutor's office said evidence initially presented to the COVID inquiry did not contain the proper individual proofs required to meet the legal criteria for criminal charges. It also said relevant documents were missing and that evidence to connect the alleged crimes was lacking. It called Orejo's ruling strictly legal, while classing last year's COVID inquiry as political. Other charges against Bolsonaro... um, His son and more than 60 others are still outstanding, and it is not known when a decision or whether to proceed with those charges will be taken. Whatever happens, Tuesday's decision gives Jair Bolsonaro a timely boost, and uh, coming as a formally launched, coming as he formally launched his re-election campaign. The 67-year-old former army captain um, is seeking a second four-year a four-year mandate in a ballot to take place on 2 October. But most polls show him trailing behind the former president Luis Inacio Lula da Silva. That is too many last names, anyways. Uh and the Apparently, he has a double-digit margin, this Lula de Silva uh, Silva character. The timing of the decision was met with scorn by those who believe prosecutors are working in cahoots with the government to save the president. Arojo, uh, second in charge at the chief prosecutor's um, office, made news last year when she rejected uh, when she rejected requests to chain to charge Bolsonaro for refusing to wear a mask, saying their efficacy was questionable. The um, timing of her decision added to suspicions it was politically motivated. This protection on the eve of the elections does not surprise anyone, tweeted Sel- Senator Renan Cajeros. Very, very interesting. You see, the man is going through a lot in the state of uh, the state in the nation of Brazil, ladies and gentlemen. It's a he's basically the President Trump of Brazil. Basically, he is the President Trump of Brazil. It's all about Brazil first, ladies and gentlemen. So, yeah, it's quite enjoyable to cover these stories. It's good to know that we're not alone on this planet, these United States of America, isn't it? It is good to know. All right, guys, uh, next uh, story I'd like to share with you all is uh, it is actually yet another sobering story. 
And it is one that I thought uh, would be important uh, to uh, share with you guys tonight. Um, apparently, the Department of Defense, um, under Secretary of Defense for Personnel and Readiness, has released a brand new report. It's the annual report, uh, and the title of it is Annual Suicide Report. Uh, so what we're seeing here, ladies and gentlemen, is that at this day and time, as we speak, um, the uh, U.S. Armed Forces uh, of whatever branch that they have um, chosen to serve in, uh, we are seeing more suicides of, uh, of active duty soldiers and, and also retired uh, than we have in over 80 years in the United States of America. So uh, I was kind of wondering, well, what the heck's going on here? Let's see what this article has to say. It comes to us by way of the Epoch Times. Oh, wait, that's right. I said I was going to correct myself, right? The Epic Times. Uh, article reads, suicide rates among United States Army soldiers highest in more than 10 years. The U.S. Army lost 176 active duty soldiers to suicide in 2021. Uh, figures show. According to combined data from the uh, Defense Suicide Prevention Office and a study publication in the Journal of American Medical Association, that's the highest number of active duty Army member suicides on record since 1938, y'all. Suicide rates within all military branches have continued to rise since 2015. Compounding this trend is the number of U.S. soldiers and veterans who have taken their own life in the past, in the post 9-11 wars. Brown University published a study indicating that 30,177 voters, um, active duty members, pardon me, and veterans have committed suicide. By comparison, the number of soldiers who ac actually kill, oh, pardon me. Yeah, yeah, sorry. I thought I was reading it wrong. By comparison, the number of soldiers actually killed in the post 9-11 war operations is 7,052. That's quite a jump there, y'all. Quite a jump. The Sea Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the sea report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to 4.99 per month to 9.99 per month. Every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the sea report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm slash the sea report and thanks y'all 
Uh, some experts say physically and mentally demanding industries like the military put people at an elevated risk for developing post-traumatic stress disorder. It's one of those few mental health disorders that can be linked to a specific event. Uh, PTSD can also occur when you experience constant high-stress situations, Dr. Danielle McGraw told the Epic Times. McGraw is a licensed clinical psychologist and the owner of Flourish Mental Wellness in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. She has also worked with both active and veteran military members struggling with PTSD. She says when people are feeling stressed, it can lead uh, to feelings of hopelessness about their situation, which can spiral into thoughts of self-harm. Um, another contribu contributing factor is, the, is feelings of shame which one often uh, which which often factor into someone's decision to take their own life you guys have been watching me read why didn't you say something uh next uh, segment of this article says u.s army veteran jonah nelson told the epic times that discussion of military suicides is often a shunned topic a former army engineer Nelson was deployed to Iraq and Saudi Arabia during uh, the U.S. Gulf War operations, Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And uh, he wasn't surprised to learn that his service branch's active duty member suicide rates are at a historic rate. Um, as of now, he said, they don't have any reliable method of fixing us. Further, Nelson noted that soldiers are often put in situations that can take a harsh toll on mental health. He remembers how um, he remember he remembers how members of his platoon had to extract human remains from bombed out vehicles. Nelson says the soldiers were involved. Uh, the soldiers involved returned to the base at the end of the day looking different. I guess, he said, and uh, let me see here. Again, this is uh, Nelson speaking. He says, I guess, he said, the soldiers involved return to the base at the end of the day looking different. Uh, it's from a tweet. It must be. Uh, the article goes on to say he remembers how members of his uh, platoon had to extract human remains from bombed out cars. And uh, he says, I guess you just don't talk about that kind of stuff. Mental health experts have heard concerning commentary from other military veterans in recent years. Dr. Tracy Latz, an integrative um, psychiatrist and author with 35 years of experience dealing with suicide, su suicide risk and PTSD suffering patients, told the Epic Times, um, feelings of a lack of purpose also can contribute to the problem. Veterans I have seen over the past few years report killing, uh, sorry, report feeling like they and their comrades were used primarily as pawns for the government political power rather than feelings. A sense, some real, some of real purpose, um, a sense of real purpose in their duties. Uh, they have a section here on the red flags. Compounding this, 
the service member's isolation and loneliness while stationed overseas or deployed to the combat zone can be crushing. A Blue Star Family Military Lifestyle Survey from 2021 shows 8 out of 10 active duty respondents moments um uh, oh sorry respondents have been separated from their families in the past 18 months moreover 31% have uh, have been away for 6 months or longer the department of defense began releasing the annual suicide report in january 2019 as a means to track the escalating problem the department is fully committed to preventing suicides in our military um, community. Every death by suicide is a tragedy, the DOD posted on its website for the Office of Suicide Prevention. Combined with United States uh, Department of Veterans Affairs and United States Service Organization, free tools like crisis hotlines for military members of struggling families um, with mental health are available 24 hours a day. The USO also offers a service to deployed military members like Spear Pole, or sorry, uh, Super Bowl Spear Pole, <laughs> Spear Pole, Super Bowl parties, shared meals, and movie nights to help increase social connectivity and reduce the feelings of isolation while overseas. Lats noted that people suffered from PTSD could be dealing with an array of symptoms like poor sleep, mm -hmm, bad diet, flashbacks, intrusive memories, and uh, that would all be towards the trauma that has been experienced. This can lead to a fight or flight reflex or situation that mimics uh, the circumstances of their trauma. Um, this can uh, oh, wait, becoming hypervigilant to perceived danger is another symptom. Those symptoms of someone grappling along with the thought, uh, grappling along with thoughts of self-harm are not always easy to do. Uh, there are some red flags, uh, red flag signs to watch for. And here they are. The main contributions to suicide um uh, the main contributions to suicide are hopeless and like things will never change. That is a red flag, McGraw says. Uh, other red flags uh, for, um, for consideration uh, when, when in regards to suicide include increasingly isolating yourself, getting rid of things, especially important things, not sleeping, calling people to say goodbye or telling them they... Uh, know how much they meant to them and increase their alcohol or drug use. Now, uh, um, let's see, uh, this is McGraw here. He had this to say. He says, other red flags for suicide, which include increasingly isolating yourself, getting rid of things, especially important things, not sleep. Wait, I feel like I just read that, didn't I? McGraw notes that those symptoms alone don't necessarily indicate a person has PTSD um, or is considering suicide, but suggests someone is, uh, is struggling with their mental health. Just like I'm struggling with my words right now, ladies and gentlemen. 
Nelson says that traumatic survival-based scenarios like those often encountered by members of the military rewrites your brain and how it functions. It wears you out and it wears at you. Um, it has both short-term and long-term effects. And we're seeing that now. Interesting article. If I didn't some uh, somewhat struggle to get through it, right? Okay, guys. So uh, there is that. Uh, th that is a pretty crazy report, guys. Uh, and I know, I know, at least for myself personally speaking, I, I may never understand that. Um, my father served and... Uh, Generally speaking, he was pretty miserable. Had nothing to do with me, y'all. Anyhow, uh, we only got about uh, about two more stories, and we're going to wrap up the C-Report for tonight, guys. Thanks so much for hanging out today. Thanks so much for hanging out with my struggle bus up here, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm glad you could be with us, whether you're live with us at the foxhole.app or pill.net. If you're joining us over at Rumble, Twitch TV, Clout Hub, or Trovo, if you uh, if you like the cut of my jibe, if you are enjoying uh, getting this type of information, please follow and subscribe. Give this episode a thumbs up. All you got to do is just scroll down a, an inch, and then there's the thumbs up, right? And I'm talking about over at Rumble. Uh, give us a thumbs up, and uh, well, all will be well in the world. Okay, so what is going on with Illegitimate Joe and this uh, little... Uh, blood tube here. I mean, we already know what it is, right? It has to do with this entire monkey pox pre-planned pandemic, ladies and gentlemen. It appears that, uh, I guess what, monkey pox is going to be round two for lockdowns. Do you think they'll be successful at that, guys? I mean, personally speaking, I don't think they'll be successful. But when you factor in some crucial information, it kind of makes you wonder if it's going to go purple. Of course, if you factor in the information that we received in regard to ESNS voting systems and heart intercivic voting systems, as we watched yesterday, then you know the fix is in and we need to get rid of these machines across the board, wherever they may be from. We need to get rid of these machines. Okay, so let's talk about illegitimate Joe and his brand new pre-planned pandemic. It's called the monkey pox. Uh, we all know, we've all heard about it. We actually haven't reported about this here over at the Sea Report, but I figured, hey, we're going to we're gonna kind of do a minimal on the election uh, story. So let's go ahead and move on with uh, this one. Uh, now, uh, they're doing it, guys. What is, what is the best way for these people to maintain their power and stifle the Constitution? Well, uh, they, they go ahead and... Um, they uh, start uh, running all these campaigns that he's done that are detrimental and uh, usually just go quite against it because what do they start to do? They start to set up emergency rules, emergency regulations that override the law of the land and override the Constitution and override the people's vote and override the legislators whom are supposedly acting in reflection of the people's vote. And that's been their loophole. I understand they're trying to close that loophole as well, ladies and gentlemen. It's a, it's a rather big loophole uh, because what, what is that now infamous meme? Oh, well, you know, if all it takes is a uh, an emergency to um, um, 
supersede our constitution, then they're going to create emergencies all the time to forever supersede our constitution. And maybe that's exactly what they're trying to do with monkeypox. Do you think that maybe part of their battle plan is to get this monkeypox pandemic so widespread that um, they're going to have to shut down the elections in November? I probably should not do a poll on that question because I don't think anyone's going to like it anyways. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it is pretty insane, guys. Uh, and so he's declaring a state of emergency. We have several governors around uh, the union that are declaring states of emergency. Um, and so uh, this is because of monkey, because we got like, what, five cases in the entire nation? Well, I'll tell you what, guys. I think, um, I think, yeah, I think they did want monkeypox to be COVID-19 part two. Uh, I think they might have used it indeed to shut down the November um, midterms, guys. Because after all, there ain't no chance in hell after what we just saw um, in uh, our previous primaries uh, where Trump endorsed candidates took the sweep. They took the elections, guys. So um, I, I, could, I could totally understand their point of view. But uh, let's face it, their point of view is still pretty lawless. It's still pretty lawless. So illegitimate Joe's going to set up some emergency powers for the monkeypox um, manufactured scare. Uh, you know, I already basically spoke this article. So we'll go ahead and mix reading this article. It just gives you the facts and the figures, how many confirmed COVID deaths, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, on what date uh, did this, uh, you know, um, uh, pandemic law go into effect? Was it properly legislated, et cetera? So we'll go ahead and skip over that because uh, I have a, a more important question, you know, or rather I should say I have a more important statement to make about this scheme. Monkeypox was supposed to be COVID part two. I don't think it's going to be that anymore because it's already way too debunked, ladies and gentlemen. It has been way debunked by truth and logic. And let's just face it, guys. Once you introduce things like truth and logic and they are either well-received or they have snuck into, you know, the consciousness of the individual who's hearing about them. Once that happens, guys, it's kind of hard to lie to the people. It's kind of hard to lock them down again. It's kind of hard to get them to take your shot. And uh, it's kind of hard to rerun another pandemic scare, okay? So they're not going to be able to do it. But um, that doesn't mean they're not going to try. And it doesn't mean that they're not going to try and announce these states of emergency in, in, in uh, these uh, respective uh, um, uh, states, ladies and gentlemen. But I think they had another plan. Oh, I think they had another plan indeed, because as we all know, this monkeypox emergency, ladies and gentlemen, seems rather prevalent in one specific community. Now, that's not saying that there are uh, non-members of this community who have been afflicted with monkeypox, but all in all and all around, it is in the LGBTQA community, that's right, the gay homosexual community where monkeypox is really catching fire, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, let's just say it. It doesn't stop the gays from going out and fornicating in the streets of San Francisco. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. San Francisco Kink and Fetish Festival to press on 
despite monkeypox emergency declaration. Oh, are you going to San Francisco? I hear it's a wonderful time, or not. You know, if you people out there, and I say you people out there with a certain uh, certain uh, uh, sense of um, discretion, if you guys have never heard about the things that happen in San Francisco during specific festivals, uh, you're blessed, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, it, it, it's it's really bad. It's bad. Like I'm surprised they haven't shut it down years ago, because uh, they're, they're literally and I'm being I'm being totally rated G here, guys. They're literally fornicating in the streets for everyone to see. I'm I mean I'm not even joking. I mean I've never been there, but I've been done told. And I've been done saw. Anyways, the government barred us from saying goodbye to loved ones in nursing homes and hospitals during the COVID pandemic. The government did not allow us to have funerals for loved ones during the COVID pandemic. But the kink and fetish festival for gay men dubbed Up Your Alley is a go this weekend, despite monkeypox spreading like wildfire in the gay community in San Francisco. And I am just knocking everything down. The gays are mad at me. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, per CDC, monkeypox is transmitted by symptomatic individuals through close contact with lesions, bodily fluids or respiratory secretions and objects that have had contact with lesion crust or bodily fluids face-to-face -face contact or during intimate physical contact it, it, what is all of this stuff up here bodily fluids uh things inserted into crusts that's not intimate physical activity <laughs> oh they're talking about uh, kissing and cuddling and sex. Well, I mean, all of the things that were listed in the former, uh, I think the gay people would consider all of that intimate activity. Anyhow, it says here, up your alley is only for real players and not for the faint of heart and definitely not for the unlubricated. Whether leather daddies rule the streets of San Francisco's south of market district. Of course, if rubber, sportswear, bike gear, skinheads, punks, or any variety of built hairy men turns you on, then we've got it. You won't find a filthier event in the States. If you're into it, there's a scene for you. So don't get left out, a site promoting the event said. Located in front of the legendary powerhouse bar, nearly 15,000 fellow leathermen and fetish enthusiasts engage in BDSM play at over 50 adult vendor spaces. Spanking, punching, whips and floggers, bondage, nipple clamps, uh, tassels, uh, butt plugs, and also um, outright fornication in the middle of the street. Domination, spitting, submissions, creative water sports, toys, and so much more are in full effect. San Francisco on Thursday declared a state of emergency over monkeypox, and yet somehow these people still get to go out and do this? The mayor of San Francisco, an alleged BDSM player, declared a state of emergency after the city reported 261 cases. 261 cases of monkeypox. The emergency declaration will take effect on Monday. 
the Up Your Alley Street Fair is referred to as the little brother to the Folsom Street Fair. Now, the Folsom Street Fair is the one that I've heard about, and that's the one that's been around the longest. It happens on Haight Street and Folsom Street in San Francisco. And uh, that is scheduled for later on this year, guys. The Folsom Street Festival, scheduled for September 22nd, is also pressing on despite San Francisco declaring a state of emergency over monkeypox. Last year, 40,000 freaks attended the Folsom Festival after a two-year delay because of COVID. I describe it as a raunchy, inclusive festival to celebrate kink and leather, one of the festival attendees told ABC7 last year. Will uh, Biden's gender-fluid pup handler DOE employee Sam Brinton be attending the festival? Yeah, th that, is, that is one of uh, President-select Biden's guys, ladies and gentlemen. That is one of President-select Biden's guys. Now, here's the theory. Will you will 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 introduce monkeypox by way of what uh, gain of function, right? Uh, we'll, we'll spread it to one or two people. We'll eventually get it into the states. Uh, we'll get it on a gay guy. We'll we'll get it on a gay guy who's particularly loose, right, and has a lot of friends. Then we'll get these gay people to go to a festival like Folsom or this other up your alley one. And before you know it, ladies and gentlemen, we have a full-blown pandemic across these United States of America as everyone who goes to Folsom, they're not just from San Francisco, they're from all over the nation. And I'm telling you guys, there is no limit to the amount of bodily fluid these people exchange during these festivals. It's like open season, guys. It's like if you've had a dry spell, just wait till September and go to San Francisco. You'll get your fix in for the next year. Anyhow, I mean, I just find this completely ridiculous, y'all. I find it completely ridiculous and irresponsible, downright hypocritical, okay, <laughs> that they can get away with this. And, and the people, the gay people, who will chastise you and cancel you for not getting your COVID shots and not wearing a mask could care less about monkeypox until they get it. And they still got to go and have their fun. It's a sick, sad world, ladies and gentlemen, that we are living in. It is a sick, sad world. All right, guys. We got our last story for tonight coming at you. Who's that man? Who's that man, ladies and gentlemen? Who's that man? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is special counsel John Durham. That's right. We have a John Durham update for tonight on the C-Report. Now, uh, this update is in relation to the forthcoming Igor Danchenko trial, which is uh, set to take place, I believe, in October. Now, interesting enough, I guess uh, in comparison to the way that the Michael Sussman trial went, it appears that uh, special counsel John Durham has decided that uh, he may actually go ahead and personally try the Danchenko case. That's right. That means we will have John Durham live and in living color. He's not a myth. He's not a ghost. He's not a robot or a clone. He's just a very private man. 
but that should be something, huh? That should be something. Let's see what the article has to say. Let's see what kind of insights it provides for us tonight as we wrap up this episode of the Sea Report uh, from the Epic Times. Special Counsel Durham may personally try Danchenko case, court filing indicates. Special Counsel John Durham has indicated he will personally argue before the court his case against Igor Danchenko, a source for the infamous Steele dossier who's facing multiple charges of lying to the FBI. Durham filed a notice of appearance with the federal court for the Eastern District of Virginia on August 1st. Huh. So if this is going to take place in the uh, Eastern District of Virginia, do you think it's going to be televised? Maybe? That'd be something to look into, don't you think, y'all? Now it says, oh, okay. So, um, okay. So he filed this on August 1st. And it suggests he will present the case to the court himself, rather than leaving the task to his staff attorneys as before. Durham was the one. Durham was the only one speaking for the prosecution during the case's status conference before the court on August first. Epoch Times on-scene reporter Terry Wu confirmed. The Danchenko trial is the last one Durham has lined up unless he files more indictments. Durham indicted Danchenko, a Russia analyst or a Russian analyst formerly with the Brookings Institution in November 2021. Danchenko was paid in 2016 by former British spy Christopher Steele to collect dirt on then presidential candidate Donald Trump. Steele was in turn hired through business intelligence firm Fusion GPS to collect dirt on Trump by the campaign of Trump's opponent, former Secretary of Snakes, Hillary Clinton. Danchenko told the FBI some of the most explosive information he provided Steele came from Belarus-born real estate agent Sergei Milian, who, which was false, Durham's indictment said, Million never spoke with Danchenko. Longtime Clinton operative Charles Dolan admitted to the FBI that he provided and fabricated some of the information that Danchenko passed on to Steele. Other unsubstantial allegations came from Danchenko's former schoolmate, Olga Galkina. As an interesting side note, it appears that Olga Galkino. Charles Dolan and Igor Danchenko got really drunk at a bar one night, and that is where they hatched up these stories. I kid you not. If you don't believe me, go get your own sauce, okay? All right. If not, you're with me. Now, it says here, Durham was tasked around March through May 2019 with reviewing the 2016 to 2017 FBI investigation of alleged collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia to sway the election. The investigation did not establish any such collusion. In August 2020, Durham indicted former FBI attorney Kevin Kleinsmith for altering a CIA email to say that former Trump campaign aide Carter Page was not a source when, in fact, he was providing information to the agency. The message was then used as part of an application to extend surveillance of Page. FBI Director Christopher Wray admitted that the surveillance based on the extension was illegal. Kleinsmith pleaded guilty 
and in January 2021 received a year of probation and 400 hours of community service. Well, you know what, guys? I think that I'm going to go and, uh, you know, file some fraudulent FOIA uh, FOIA um, papers, guys, since, you know, it's only going to be a year of probation. I mean, uh, it's just basically going to be a slap on the hand, and I can spy on uh, illegitimate Joe. What do you think about that, huh? Hmm. Yeah, I need to go find me a, a drunk Russian to make up a sick story about illegitimate Joe smelling the head of every child that comes into his path. Oh, wait, that's true. <laughs> Anyways, the article comes into its conclusion saying, in October 2020, then Attorney General William um, Barr appointed Dur No, he didn't. William Barr did not appoint Durham, okay? It was uh, former acting Attorney General Whitaker. Okay, so we'll, we'll go ahead and set the record straight right there for the Epic Times. Okay, and uh, it says here in February 2021, Durham resigned from his position as a federal prosecutor after 35 years with the Department of Justice. I thought he was fired. Anyways, um, and it says that he handled some of the most prominent investigations of FBI misconduct. William, uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I, I totally misread that. They're talking about Durham. I thought they were talking about Barr. Hmm. Barr's living free in my head right now. Sorry about that, y'all. Okay, so uh, Durham resigned from his position as a federal prosecutor after 35 years in February. Okay. Then in September of 2021, Durham indicted Michael Sussman, a lawyer who in 2016 represented the Clinton campaign for lying to the FBI. Sussman approached uh, then FBI general counsel James Baker in September 2016 with information about a supposed secret communications channel between Trump and Russia-based Alpha Bank. FBI cybersecurity personnel looked into the allegation before dismissing it. Sussman allegedly told Baker he did not come representing any client when in fact he was billing the time to the Clinton campaign. Sussman's lawyers attacked the indictment for relying on a single witness, Baker, before Durham revealed a message from Sussman to Baker explicitly saying Sussman was reaching out not representing any client. Baker, however, provided the message to Durham too late for it to be fully used in the trial, and Sussman was found not guilty. So, yep, there's a quick rundown previously on John Durham. Uh, so this way we could refresh our memories about what that was all about. And, you know, to inform those who had no idea about these proceedings. Of course, everyone knew about these proceedings, but you guys catch what I'm saying, right? You know, someone wakes up every day, ladies and gentlemen, someone wakes up every day. And, you know, Maybe with your efforts, it will be someone that you will awaken. And wouldn't that be a blessing? Don't you think? Wouldn't that be a blessing? All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of The Sea Report. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this evening. Uh, if you tossed some gold pills this way, thank you so much for your continued support of this broadcast and of all the broadcasts and shows that come out on Mr. CTV. 
please make sure to follow at our social app network a website thingamajigger things our accounts uh follow mr ctv at truth social at mrc tv underscore and at gab at mr underscore ctv visit us over at www.thecreport.com uh, where you can stay up to date on the latest news and information about the sea report you can peruse any of our original articles you can sign up for our email list you can enter into uh, the hallowed shops, hallowed shops, uh, shop Mr. CTV, uh, where you can find further ways to support the work I do here at this broadcast. I'm always here to inform, never here to influence, and I do it for the love of this country and the love of liberty, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, be blessed, be safe, and God bless America. We'll see you next time, ladies and gentlemen. Take care. Wait, don't forget, we have a President Trump rally tomorrow. We have a President Trump rally tomorrow. The Sea Report will be live probably about 6.30 p.m. Central Time. And don't forget, we also have an episode of Lone Star News. That's Texas News and Current Events at 3 p.m. Central Time. I look forward to seeing y'all then. Take care, y'all. Have a good night. Let's talk about Georgia. Uh, President Trump truthed about this earlier. Ballot images missing, right? Drop boxes with no video. And Disney's like, well, we don't care about that. We're going to die on this hill. We're going to be gay and we're going to rape our children no matter what you say because we are Disney. Uh, we don't normally run see in the dark uh, during the week. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, what the heck is this bald band talking about? Uh, you know, multiple broadcasts and shows come here on Mr. CTV channel. Uh, so you've got your sea report Monday through Friday in the evening hours, right? And uh, we do see in the dark, which is a late night weekend talk show kind of, you know, broadcast, right? So guys, watch out. We got a swamp creature coming to the screen. So look out now. Look out now. <laughs> oh no, it's wretched Gretchen Whitmer. We're sorry, the number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Though victory is proof of the skills you possess, defeat is the proof of your grit. A weakling can smile in his days of success, but at trouble's first sign, he will quit. So the test of the heart and the test of your pluck isn't skies that are sunny and fair, but how do you stand to the blow that is struck, and how do you battle despair? A fool can seem wise when the pathway is clear, and it's easy to see the way out. But the test of a man's judgment is something to fear, and what does he do when in doubt? And the proof of his faith is the courage he shows when sorrows lie deep in his breast. 
It's the way that he suffers, the griefs that he knows, that bring out his worst or his best. The test of a man is how much he will bear for a cause which he knows to be right. How long will he stand in the depths of despair? How much will he suffer and fight? There are many who serve when the victory's near, and few are the hurts to be borne. But it calls for a leader of courage to cheer the men in a battle forlorn. It's the way you hold out against odds that are great that proves what your courage is worth. It's the way that you stand to the bruises of fate that shows up your stature and girth. And victory's nothing but proof of your skill, veneered with a glory that's thin, unless it is proof of unfaltering will, and unless you have suffered to win.